Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy in abundance. Join the tinkling talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nickel. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy Songs in the Key of Laugh. <laughs> yes, hey. it is Songs in the Key of Laugh. It's Series 3. It's Episode 2. We are rocking right into this. We are rocking. That's Man, exactly what we're doing today. Episode Phil. one with Johnny and the Baptist. That was that was what a great interview. I absolutely love that I, band. Adore those boys. Um, and as you probably recognize, our regular listeners, thank you for coming back. We've got some ads on the podcast now. We do because we've now got enough listeners. We can monetize. Oh yeah, monetize. Uh, which I know it seems like a bad word, and we should, we'd be doing it for free anyway. But it's nice that David and I can actually make a little extra money. He has a baby. I do, I do, He's and that baby, baby has no shoes. He's got no shoes. He's got one shoe now. <laughs> well, yeah. after last week's show, and <laughs> uh, we're also you can catch us on Patreon because we've got this great idea now that we're going to put our episodes out a week early. For those of you that are eager to hear the episodes, you can just join our Patreon, and for a very small amount of money, helping David and I make the show, you'll get the show a week earlier than anyone else and you'll also get some bonus content as well we're going to be adding loads of bonus content oh yeah, yeah bonus content and i want to thanks again to acast for housing us and this podcast guys we hope this is i'm excited about this episode coming up in this episode we've got as as usual our comedy song contest uh we're going to attempt to write in nativity we right? are we're going to continue with our nativity it's yeah. our dictionary improv dictionary musical and we've got a great guest and she's new She's hip. She's fantastically talented. And her name is Amy, Amy Weber. So I wrote a song. At the time, I had a ukulele, which I bought to help me with my teaching. I used to teach one day a week in a primary school doing musical workshops. And so I had this ukulele and I was like, fuck it. I'll just write my own two minute song where I go, my name's Amy Weber. I will be a great singer for you. And I sing opera and I sing jazz and then I sing it. Anyway, I performed this song and everyone laughed. And like, obviously it was funny because I was kind of showing off and I would sing things like, I can sing slowly <laughs> and beautifully. And it was all just sort of kind of showy-offy, but in a silly way. Also yeah. a bit sort of taking the piss out of myself. Yes. As you have to be if you're ever going to show off. Otherwise, it's just crass and horrible. Yeah. So stick around and come, well, listen to that interview because uh, Amy's fascinating, fascinating human being. She is, absolutely. Now, Phil, I wanted to talk to you about somebody who has, uh, somebody who's passed away recently. Oh, who's that? Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> ah, Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis, that yes, sensational some... keys player. The killer. Some... He killer? Was, he was called The Killer. Was he? Is that what he was called? That was his nickname, Jerry Lee Lewis, The Killer. Ah, oh, he's... A bit controversial. Bit controversial, to say the least. M- married his cousin. Yeah, wasn't she about 12? 12... 
Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So the well, 1950s was, yeah, were an interesting sure. time. <laughs> they were really. an interesting time. And there's a light, like post-war, you know, the American economy was Post-war. This is this is like your your era, isn't it? You were around, were you around in the... Yeah, I was just finished university at that point, David. <laughs> Asshole. And, uh, but we were, I've been listening to sort of, today we're going to talk about 1950s comedy songs. Uh, but I think like 1948, the first UFOs were discovered. I didn't realize it was that... When, when, sorry, when you say the first UFOs were discovered. Well, that's the first time people were, were made a big, there was a big hoo-ha about UFOs. You, they, you, can't, you can't say they were discovered because surely <laughs> then there had to have been UFOs. Were, were there UFOs? Do you, well, do you believe in UFOs, un- Phil? Unidentified flying objects. I believe in that because that's what they are. They're now called, what are they called? Uh, um, aerial, they're now called unidentified aerial something or other. I should look that up. <laughs> I was going to say OAPs, unidentified <laughs> flying elderly people. You imagine loads and loads of old pensioners with their zimmer frames in the air. Unidentified aerial phenomena. That's what I was. That's why uh, I couldn't get the because UAP and then P is hard and but phenomena. P is hard. Phenomena. It's a hard letter. Phenomena. Do, 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 do. Anyway, so. <laughs> So that that's the 1950s. That's how it started with this crazy idea, you know, War of the Worlds, there were Martians and this whole... And because uh, recording was becoming more and more um, professional, uh, there was a guy for novelty records were a big thing in okay. the 50s. And there was a guy that owned novelty records or worked for novelty records called Ross Bagdasarian Jr., uh, who invented this uh, method where you're able to speed up his voice or speed up the recordings on his own and then have these like high voices. And he put out a uh, song called The Witch Doctor, which was like a number one hit. And it, it sounds like this. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor, he told me what to do. He said that... From that, that was in like 19, mid 1950s, I think. In the 1958, the same guy with his wife um, had this idea to do the chipmunks, to use their voice. No. And they invented Alvin and the chipmunks. And they invent this whole world. Uh, I think they had a fake dad called Dave Several. So it became Dave Several of the chipmunks. And they weren't, they weren't an animated thing like that. They were like a puppet show. So it was created just from this one simple technique of being able to slow the track, the tape down. I'm assuming that's what they did. And then that makes your voice, when you speed it back up to normal, your voice is, uh, sounds high. Yeah. Uh, that's what that high voice came from. And so they did, they did Alvin and the Chipmunks. And I think, uh, I think that's it. Um, Ross's wife also did some of the voices in it. And that became really successful. They did it on Ed Sullivan. They traveled over the world. And now, of course, we know Alvin and the Chipmunks. It's like a huge franchise. I wonder if, I wonder if Ross Bagdasarian made all the money from that. That's wild. Listen to this. All right, you chipmunks. Ready to sing your song? I'll say we are. Yeah, let's sing it now. Okay, Simon. Okay. Okay, Theodore. Okay. Okay, Alvin. Alvin. Alvin! So, I mean, the Chipmunks went on to win, like, you know, heaps and heaps of, like, Billboard top, 
like five Grammy Awards for top ten albums. Like, I mean, the Chipmunk song became the best-selling single of all time. And that's just by the simple idea of he just thought, if I slow the tape down, I can speed it up. I wonder how he came across that. But that, to turn it, bring it all back to the UFO theme, yeah. that all came back round for one of the greatest-selling songs of all time uh, by a guy called Cheb Woolley, because he used the same technique on a song called One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater, which was about aliens coming to Earth and then an alien coming to Earth, joining a rock band and being an amazing rock and roll horn player. Okay, that's that's amazing, Phil. When you asked uh, when you asked me to have a little look at the 1950s, obviously slightly different for me as I wasn't there. Um, but I've, I found somebody. <laughs> yeah, you found someone. <laughs> I found somebody. I found somebody very, very, very cool. Um, uh, Stan Freeberg. Yes. Have you ever heard of Stan Freeberg? Uh, um, no. Oh, well, I mean, say yes, because you mentioned him before we went to air. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you asked but, me the same question about half an hour ago. Okay, cool. Well, Stan Freeberg, very, really, really important person. Hey, in Dave, Dave, tell me about Stan Freeberg. I will tell you about Stan Freeberg. Uh, so Stan Freeberg, when he was uh, 18, he had a really big opportunity to uh, go to Stanford Uni. Um, and he'd been given a scholarship. And instead of doing that, he said to his, um, his dad, who was a minister, he said, I actually just before I go off and do university, I'd like to go and make my name in Hollywood. Wow. So he um, got on a bus from Pasadena, yep. went to Hollywood, and he was the only person left on the bus. And he said, um, can you drop me in the very middle of Hollywood, please? And so the bus driver stopped the bus <coughs> and let him out. And then there was this uh, agency, literally, yeah. where he'd been dropped off, which was like new talent agents. And he was like, ah, that's me. I can do that. So he then went, uh, went in, said, I can do all of these different voices. And uh, the person there said, okay, show me your voices. He did a few of them. They were really, really good. And he said, let's go to Warner Bros. And from Warner Bros, this guy then went on to Disney, worked with Walt Disney, did voices for so many different cartoons, but also wrote amazing novelty songs and also did loads and loads of um, uh, parody. Yes. But whilst doing all of this, he also found that he was um, somebody who could do uh, advertising. Right. Um, So people would come to him and say, what should we do to advertise prunes? Right. You can't right. can't imagine anything more boring to advertise. Sure. And so he uh, he did a he did an advert on it yeah. and he completely and utterly took the piss out of it. Yes. And in taking the piss out of it, managed to um, improve the sales of prunes by 40 percent the first advert and 200 percent the second time. Wow. So then he's been uh, then up until probably like 2000 or something he was still used to make all of these adverts Amazing. um he did adverts for soup which would be with like 40 dancing girls going crazy and just completely and utterly off the wall yeah but this man stan freeberg really 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 important 
person in, uh, in like American uh, voiceover history and in vo- and in comedy history. Yes. Um, so this is this is one of his songs. Uh, this is this is a song that he wrote because he'd uh, because he wanted to show a soap opera, and he wanted to show a soap opera uh, how simple it really really was. And this song was banned in Australia. I think it was also banned in the States. Banned. Banned. Isn't it amazing the way comedians cutting edge? That's the cutting edge. You're going to get banned. You've got to be doing something very, very, very naughty. Well, in this in this song, he only says two words, and they are John and Marsha. John. Marcia. John. Marcia. John. Um, Marcia. John. Marcia. John. Marcia. John. Marcia. John. So please do go and check out Stan Freeberg. Um, also, he did so many different skits um, of songs as well, which are yeah. really, really, really funny. So go and check those out. But Phil, yeah. I'd love to hear you play us a song right now. <laughs> what have you got prepared for well, us? Well, the singers of the 50s music I, was one of the first songs I learned because it's got that C, E minor, F, G sort of uh, progression. Oh, yeah. Um, and one of the first songs I ever learned. And it's, it's, a, it's not a comedy song, but it's a novelty song. And it's called Teenager in Love. Each time we have a quarrel, it almost breaks my heart Cause I am so afraid that we will have to part Each night I ask the stars up above Why must I be a teenager in love? So me knowing that song kind of led Corky and the Juice Picks to doing a parody of that. Because those songs always like this had like an angel coming down or whatever. So we wrote this song called um, Don't Put a Pickle. And it goes like this. Don't put a pickle on my burger because it reminds me of my girl. Don't put a pickle on my burger because if you do, I think I'm going to hurl. <laughs> she drove into the... You know, she drives into the drive-in basically and, and she has an accident and then she dies and now I can't stand having pickle on my burger (laughs) don't put a pickle on my burger cause it reminds me of my girl don't put a pickle on my burger cause if you do I think I'm going to Good 
Corky the Juice. You, you can actually get that if you go on uh, philnickel.com and click on the Corky and the Juice Pigs logo. It'll take you to Corky and the Juice Pigs website. You can hear that on our, I recorded it on a four track way back when in 1988. Oh, 88? 58? <laughs> yeah. Something I really enjoy about 1950s music is the playfulness. Yes. And yes. The, yes. And the way that they could break out of song and go between different characters yeah um and i, th- I think it's um i think that's shown really nicely in um in summertime blues eddie cochran i think that was 1958 i think yeah um which is uh, so you've got a well i'm gonna raise a fuss and i'm gonna raise a holler about a working all summer just to try to earn a dollar well, every time I call my baby and trying to get a date, my boss says, No, die, son, you gotta work late. Sometimes I wonder, What am I gonna do? But there ain't no cure for the summertime blues. Yeah. So you've got that one, but there's also um, uh, Yakety Yak, which is another really, really good example of it, um, which I think, uh, Take out the papers and the trash, or you won't get no spending cash if you don't scrub that kitchen floor. You ain't gonna rock and roll no more. Yakety yak. Don't talk back. <laughs> I do like all those funny voices. Like you got the big bopper. They're going, hello, baby. <laughs> you know, at the beginning of it, let's go to the hop. Let's go to the hop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you've also got all those like bro- spoken word bits. So in like in the middle of the Juice Pig song there that I sang there, there's big spoken words where, where they tell you the story of what happened. Like, and that, uh, that kind of having characters, broad characters in it, is it's not purely comedy, but it's pretty funny. It's it's fantastic. In summertime blues, they go to the United Nations. He yeah. says, "I'm going to take my problem to the United Nations." Name one other song that's, that talks about the United Nations. Um, let's go to the United Nations by <laughs> Sally Jess, 1964. And then there was uh, United Nations Here We, Here we Come by <laughs> Rupert Dingdill, uh, the French singer. And then there was Where Am I Now, United Nations, by Wally Scott, who uh, is sadly passed away uh, in New York at the United Nations. So it's time for the Comedy Song Contest, David. It's the competition. It's, it, it, it's a contest, as we all know, David. It's a contest. It's and, a competition. Uh, cool. We've had so many great entries. We've had entries from all over the world, as we said last week. This week's entry submission is by a group called the Midlife Crisis Orchestra, who describe themselves as three Swedish friends making music about the horrible struggles you face as a white, middle-aged, privileged family father. And this track is called Cringe Dad. Cause I'm the cream shot. 
your friends I'm gonna act like a fool Cause I'm the cringe dad You beg me not to say anything But I will always say something Embarrassing <laughs> Cause I'm the cringe dad Yeah, I'm the cringe dad of the nativity what song two song two of course song two yes so uh phil what happened last week oh well we opened our nativity with a blinding song uh with the a word out of the piano tuning book glue uh and it was (laughs) i think the angel gabriel and the the host of angels telling mary that she was preggers with god's glue it's gonna yeah. be classy. Very classy. Song no. number two. <laughs> obviously, obviously, we've got a plot, haven't we? This time, well, we've got a plot because we we know what happens. He dies in the end. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nativity. He doesn't die yet. Well, we know how it ends. <laughs> yeah, you can really. I think celebrating the whole birth of the guy that you know is gonna die young is a little bit sick, to be honest. <laughs> so Mary has to confess. Mary well, does have to confess. I don't know if confessing is the right word. Well, she's got to tell some people that she's she's pregnant. That's what she did next. That's that is what she did next. So she's gonna go. She's gonna go and tell her cousin. Well, well flick to the book, the tuning book. The tuning book. Okay, I'll what have we got? Finger down, and the word is being. Being. Yes. Okay. Being. Being. Right. Ooh, that's interesting. Okay. Being. Being. Yeah. Being, being. All right. Here we go. Okay. Listen to this I got knocked up by a deity He called himself God And as he entered me I said his name Over and over and over again I knew that God showed his love And now I'm gonna be the mother of a being the lord he is all seeing and i know you need to know inside me the baby grows and he's gonna be the king of the jews but before that i want you to choose his name Really, Zach? 
If you're funny and you write funny songs, why not enter our Songs in the Key of Laugh comedy song contest? Go to songsinthekeyoflaugh.com for details and send your submissions to songsinthekeyoflaugh at gmail.com. There's a 200-pound grand prize with two 50-pound prizes for the runners-up. Do it today! Interview time. Interview time. Interview time. It was a good one this week. It was. We had so much fun uh, meeting our next guest. Um, Talented. Very, very, very talented. And funny and nice. Yeah. And and young, so she's got a career. (laughs) 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 This is our interview with Amy Amy Weber. Weber. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. It's Amy Weber, everybody. Hi, Hi Amy. Amy Weber. Hi. Welcome to our podcast. Now, Amy Weber, uh, well, what do we know about you? You were born in Kent. Yeah. Uh, you're a musical genius. Wow. And then that's what, that's what we that's After what we've read. After six years of training, could call it a genius, <laughs> could say average. <laughs> well, I guess it depends. I've, 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 I love um, mus- musical bods. I love uh, people that have that... Uh, uh, training that I don't have. David's more, he's more the muso guy. So, <laughs> hi. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he'll oh, ask yeah. you all those like tech questions, technical questions. I, I won't, but, um, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it anyway. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, thank you for joining us on Songs in the Key of Laugh. Yeah. Yeah. So you were recently a finalist for the musical comedy awards as yes. well. Yes. Right. Okay. So, that's, so that's the thing. There, there, so there's a leap in, life logic uh and that's i'm sure there's a an an interesting story arc on how you have you know you've gone through all these different uh um uh, permutations of of your skills and talents how did you end up specifically doing comedy and at what point did you think actually that's where my that's where my place is Mm, good question because it's all really only happened in the last two or three years it feels quite recent so I did a acting course, sort of cringy okay. to admit, like a four month training part time thing. Right. And it culminated in a showcase. Right. And the guy who was directing it said, OK, Amy, you're a singer. So when the agents come, you should be showing your singing yeah. like 
why don't you try and sing a song that has like a bit of opera, a bit of pop, a bit of musical theatre, and preferably two minutes long. And I was like, that song doesn't exist. The only song close to it, I don't know if you know it, is Girl in 14G. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that sort of showcases, and it's perfect for someone who can sing opera and jazz and pop and go low and high and has also got a good musical theatre belt. But it, he was like, it needs to be two minutes. And I was like, oh. So I wrote a song. At the time, I had a ukulele, which I bought to help me with my teaching. I used to teach one day a week in a primary school doing musical workshops. Mm-hmm. And so I had this ukulele, and I was like, fuck it. I'll just write my own two-minute song where I go... My name's Amy Weber. I will be a great singer for you. And I sing opera and I sing jazz and then I sing it. Anyway, I performed this song and everyone laughed. And like, obviously, it was funny because I was kind of showing off. And I would sing things like, I can sing slowly (laughs) and beautifully. And it was all just sort of kind of showy offy, but in a silly way. Also, a bit sort of taking the piss out of myself. Yes. As you have to be if you're ever going to show off. Otherwise, it's just crass and horrible yes um so i did that song and then just loads of people came up at the end and was like you should do that at a comedy night and i just went along with the ride and thought hey stage time is stage time so i did (laughs) i did uh, a couple of gigs um my first one was at frog and bucket in manchester the gong show okay and um i won it with that song and then yeah it wasn't till about a year later that i threw the ukulele into the cupboard and my new set was born. Right. But that is how I initially started comedy, was right. doing three little songs, all about two minutes long with a ukulele. And I did a few open spots in Edinburgh, yeah. a few open spots in Manchester, and that was like summer 2019. Mm. And then through lockdown is when my new, I was reborn yeah. and I moved to London. And I did try and reinvent myself because I think I was a bit embarrassed of the ukulele beginnings. Uh, uh, the, ukul- the ukulele mm. is, a, is an interesting instrument, isn't it? Because mm. anyone that plays a string instrument knows that it's just, it just sounds, there's something with the nylon strings, the sound of it just, it sounds yeah. cheap or it sounds, but then, it's but there are, pe- there are people that play, if you've seen the ukulele orchestra of Britain, yeah. it's phenomenal. And you think, you know, there is a way of making it great. Yeah. But the idea of a, and I don't mean this, in a, but the idea of like a, a solo female singer with ukulele i think there's maybe regina spectrum there's not that many that have but she also plays she's a classically trained musician so 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 the thing is for her playing it it's almost like she knows how dumb that might be Mm. so maybe there's something in it but there is there is a place for it though i think um if if it's if it's done done very very well no 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 but uh rialina for example she went when when she does it i've I've done i did a show with her many years ago that was just uh which was ukulele based and she she's a very very good ukulele player and she so she she doesn't just go through three chords yeah she will make she will make her songs much more complicated and will do full chord sequences what a lot of the time happens is that people will play the ukulele and they will um make their chord sequences very very simplified yeah so you will only end up with the three chords rather than it being like a 10 chord thing whoa i I think i think i think i think really really um did say to me recently that she wants to learn to play the guitar though Really? Because uh, because it just is, just is. Uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it's almost it's to me limiting. like the ukulele is like the is like someone. There are people that must play great recorder. <laughs> However, record is playing the recorder is like like a cheap version of playing a flute or playing a playing a, a clarinet or something. It's the same, and it's sort of like a beginning, a way of beginning. Yes, so it, but, but it's quite nice. Yeah. You've you've brought that. You've you know you know you do play the keyboards and you do, you do play do you play another instruments. 
keyboards. Yeah, just That's keyboards. It. And do singing. You, yeah, and singing. And do you play do you play guitar or any other? I any? did try and learn guitar, but it was so hard. <laughs> I tried to knock down way harder than the ukulele. But I think my my embarrassment was that I was a professional musician. So, you know, if a friend comes to me or I'm working with a kid in a primary school who's like, I can do three chords on ukulele, that's obviously great. Yes. And I think instruments like that that make music accessible are amazing. Yes. But for me, as a graduate, about to start my master's in music, I was just like, it's actually, I need to branch out. Okay, so, so let's, yeah. let's go. To, yeah. So your so you're master's, you, you know, cause we, I don't think we've had, have we had that many classically trained well, we People spoke are, to a fascinating, fascinating idea. Fascinating idea, mm-hmm. yeah. But, so. but but we but the, so you go from you go from that that intense musical. Well, it's a it's a degree, right? So that's I'm I'm only assuming without having done it because I I did I, my degree is in acting actually. Yeah. I, I I did four years of acting. So, but people don't really, they go, acting? Like, how, what can you, why does it take you four years to learn acting? You go, well, actually, actually, yeah, (laughs) you could do acting. Anyone can act, really. You just teach yourself to act. But after four years, you've just, I can't even explain. Another actor would bore you because we'd be sitting there going, yeah, but in the, you know, Alexander technique, when when you're in the supine position, you'd be going, what the, but it must be the same musically for you. Yeah. You can, you've got that knowledge. And then suddenly you're on stage with a ukulele playing your three chords and <laughs> singing your daft song. Five. But, five, five chords, sorry. <laughs> but, you, but, you, but, you, but you obviously, you're doing it and it's fulfilling. Do you, is that draw, for putting the musicality back into, is that why you decided to adapt, to bring the keyboard into the, into the pr- proceedings? I think, good, good use of word there, proceedings. <laughs> Thanks. I've yeah. never referred to my comedy set as proceedings, proceedings. but it could well, be. Well, I was thinking more of your creative life. A creative proceeding. Well, proceeding, that's how you're going to proceed. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, clearly, I don't know enough words. Um, I, only, I use the word proceeding a lot. Do you? Yeah. Okay, I never Most of use my it. conversations proceed with... Proceeding. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, I think what it was is I suddenly realised the ukulele was going to be limiting. Right. So I had, with those three songs, I basically had ten minutes with a bit of chat in between, and people were talking about, you know, getting your first 20. This is when I wasn't really in the comedy scene. I didn't know what type five and tens and twenties meant. And I just thought, well, I can't just do loads of ukulele songs and have my own show. That was mm. from the start. My aim was I'm going to have a one-woman show. Um, so I was like, okay, I'm going to need to get something else involved. And at the same time, I started my master's. My master's wasn't in classical opera. It was in pop, so pop singing and writing. And at the same time as me, almost exactly at the same time, I got a bad review from uh, Chortle for the World World Series finals at Beat the Frog. And it said, you know, woman singing a sweet little song. Actually, he didn't call me a woman. He called me a girl, which is right. not great because is this, I was Steve Bennett. Yeah. Okay. But he also said I had a phenomenal voice and that quote has remained on my poster. But anyway, <laughs> I do actually owe him a small thanks. I mean, I should say, don't call me a girl. Don't call any women over the age of 18 a girl. But anyway, yes, of course. Um, he said, it's not original. He just said, you know, phenomenal voice, but she's singing a song with a ukulele and it's been done before. And at almost the same time I read that quote and felt a bit gutted, I had started my master's where my teacher said, can you record yourself singing? And I was like, no. She's like, do you have your own microphone? Do you have an interface? Do you have Ableton or Logic? Mm. 
no. Mm. And she was like, you need to get it. You can't be an empowered singer if every time you want to record a song, you're relying on your mostly male friends Mm. to record it for you, to play the backing track for you, to input the drums for you. And I was just like, oh, and I was quite a technophobe. And that was the start of it. So I got Ableton, I downloaded it. I had some painstaking hours through lockdown of like crying when, you know, when things go wrong on a computer. And just this like loads of imposter syndrome um possibly because i'd grown up around lots of guys in recording studios and not actually seen many women using music technology and so i just thought well i can't do it i must be shit at it i mustn't be able to write a bass line or blah 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 and so the new act was born and with the new act writing songs was like endless you know suddenly having enough music for an hour seemed not easy but achievable no yeah compared to the ukulele yeah. So it went in the cupboard. The, and now yeah. I, still, I only use it for teaching. And yes, then you right. only need three chords for but it. But we, we, I mean, we just, um, <laughs> we've had interviews with all across this, seri- these, these, um, this podcast. And most of, the people that we, most of the people that we interview, one of the things that's freed them is their, their ability to record themselves, which has become really easy in the modern world. It's like, well, I think yeah. 10 years ago, even it was a much more difficult thing. I, I, when I was in my 20s, I had a four track task cam, four track, and I was just driven to record. Every, I, I just had the microphones on all the time because I was a weirdo. Um, but, the, but that freedom that, that gives you, and it's interesting that you're saying it's because it's a, it was a male dominated field. And I, I've been, uh, you know, on TikTok and and watching more and more young female producers, not not just yeah. songwriters, producers, uh, giving tip, <coughs> giving tips. It's yeah. a real burgeoning field of like this is going to change the uh, the pop music scene. And then, um, and I'm, then being able to do stuff yourself is, I mean, Dave has got a great setup because he's a proper musician with band and band leader. But that ability to write that means that you're going to be able, when when you say that you're you know, you've got enough for an hour. We just interviewed uh, Johnny the Baptist for something, and you know they've got how many albums? Nine albums now, in like ten oh, it's years. Crazy, because yeah. they feel like the kind of guys that just keep coming up. They just are unstoppable. They just yeah. because once you can record it, once you can do that, the world is your oyster. So, so what what is what's your process? I'm quite intrigued by this. So, knowing that you've got you've now got this kind of new set of skills, yeah. um, which I'm sure that you're still playing around with a lot of the yeah. time. I, I still am. I'm I've had logic for years and years, but I'm still like, oh, there's a new button, and then you work out that what that one does. But so, what what's your process, and where do you link in your um, phenomenal voice with with what you're doing on on is it logic that you're using or Ableton? Uh, so I write in logic, okay. and then I export it. And I put all the samples and sounds and songs and tracks into Ableton, right. which I then use to perform live. Cool. So I use both. Amazing. Which is helpful. Yes. Um, so I always start with the lyrics. So it's like funny concept. What's someone who, a group of people who are kind of funny or like the, the song I'm going to perform for you later live oh, is <laughs> taking the piss out of sort of music producers. Right. Yeah, um, the yeah. sort of wanky ones, you know, yeah. who really love their own music and take it really seriously. That always makes me laugh about music. Same mm. with opera. Mm-hmm. Music's meant to be fun and it's meant to mm. release emotion. I guess sometimes it can be sad, but when people take music really seriously, it just makes me cringe a bit. So, yeah. so I write funny lyrics. I try and make them rhyme. I try and write a chorus. That's the hard bit for me. And then 
or the less enjoyable bit and it's sort of rhyming things and going are these lyrics too obvious are they a bit cheesy are they a bit and I'll always run them past my sister who has nothing to do with comedy or performing right she like works in the royal parks and she loves bugs and stuff <laughs> she loves and bugs. she's so honest so she'll just be like that's good or she's like an awful idea and I just yeah, take right. it I just go okay fair yeah that's going in the bin scrunch it up on the laptop and but that then, but that but that doesn't make sense though because that is like your our core audiences as comedy performers we tend to play to to punters to to people that are, they're just yeah. going to see a comedy night they're not as they, they I mean hopefully you get to a point where they're coming to see you specifically mm. that but that changes things when it's just when you just have to impress you've got 20 minutes to impress a group of people that have never met you before your sister yeah. is probably a pretty good sounding board on what will be acceptable yeah. to them or not if she likes bugs so yeah <laughs> a lot of people out there like bugs I should say. <laughs> okay. I mean, um, also, also then, if she really likes <laughs> butterflies and bugs, then it's quite a low bar. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> hang on. I, mean, I, hope I do hope your sister doesn't listen to this. In the entertainment world. In, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what the ants are up to at the moment, but I, I don't know. Are they doing big, big circus tours? Well, if you, yeah, if you <laughs> take a look at their society, it's very intelligent. I saw, I saw a thing about the ants where they poured concrete into an ant, a, a large ant colony, oh, and then, no. and then, no, the t- this is to. To they flushed them out, but then, then they flushed them all out. It's a, it's a friendly project, and they oh. poured the concrete in, and then and then dug out the concrete to show you the labyrinth. And it's unbelievable what the amount that. That, the amount like ants to they, they, the equivalent. They're saying the, the ants carry the the dirt from the bottom out to the to the surface and put it on the outside. It would be the equivalent of a, a male human being carrying like a six hundred pound load three kilometers. And then going back down and doing it again for about three years, every day. And when they die. And then, well, and then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're serving the queen. Unless you're lucky enough to get the one person who gets with the queen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Might be worth yeah, carrying all that rubble. Yeah. Well, they they do, yeah. <laughs> Is that how it works? So they all just try to impress her. I don't think that's just, they're, to to keep her, they're just trying to I keep her know. safe. So yeah, there's, there's be that's more it. It's just their instinct. Yeah. Really? Mm. No, they're 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 yeah, <laughs> bad instinct. <laughs> I just never thought about it. That. Ma- imagine being like an, an anti-imagine being anti-royalist and then it. Anyway, so your sister <laughs> anti-royalist. <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's a bad joke, but I, I said it. Um, uh, can we go? Can we go, go back to the process? Well, I, I, no, yeah. well, I, I want to make. Yeah, but I want to go back to process, so, but I want to make sure we're still following this. I want to follow this this art. Oh no, yeah, in the in the it, timeline. In the time in the, the time, timeline. And I still there's a there's a, a leap from this where we we've got to the you're in the contest and then Steve Steve Bennett. Uh, and it's funny how a bad review uh, can actually in, inspire you. Uh, I used to have a small black uh, black book when I was a teenager because I had a lot of teachers that hated me because I just wanted to be an actor so I was an asshole. Mm. Uh, but the, anyone that did me wrong, they went, their name went the black book, and it kind of the, it it had the other effect on me. It made me think I have to be better. I can't be criticized this way anymore. I must be. I'm going to do it. And because you know you can, because you knew he he sees all he's seeing is that one thing of you playing the ukulele but you know in your mind wait a minute i'm way more than that yeah and i'm gonna show you so you yeah. take that on anyway back to the process i just want to make sure we're following yeah, yeah. yeah. i've got my arc yeah you got your arc <laughs> uh, I'll, I'm gonna go. your arc. I'll do mine yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah how, how do we how do we so you said that you um 
you put your ideas past your sister. But when, um, so when you're actually sitting down and writing, you said that the lyrics co- come first. Yeah. What What do you then throw underneath those lyrics, and how do you come around with that? Um, h- how long have you played the piano, for example, for as well? So piano, I've played for quite a few years, maybe since I was a teen. But just chords, and it wasn't really till uni that I even knew what like inversions were so right. it was very basic piano and it's still quite basic lots of block chords I'm not particularly good if someone says do like one four five one minor six minor two seven one in d flat major I you know it might take me sort of five minutes to work out yeah right. whereas before uh yeah so so you get the sort of standard of piano um and i have done original music with with in gigs with play while playing the piano but again it's quite like simple parts i'm not doing really crazy stuff um so i start with i normally have a little idea for a chorus so i'll just sing it completely a cappella and save it into my phone into the mic as everyone does so i'll like come up with a little chorus and sort of be like something like that yeah then i'll then i'll take that and i'll come to the song in logic and i normally start with chord progression to the right tempo then i'll add the drums and so I might listen to some pop songs and like get some inspiration of like a certain beat or certain types of sounds of the drum. Mm. Then I put that in with the chords. So that's like the skeleton of my piece will be the song in the right structure with the right chord progression with the drums. Then I'll put a bass line in. I'll delete the chord seek the, the, the like basic piano chords yeah. that are in there, and then obviously replace them with like synths and other sounds and. And then that's when the fun bit begins for me. That's like kind of like you're painting a picture and you've done it in pencil. Yes. And then yeah. when I get to put all the synths on and pan things to the left and right and turn up gain and effects and stuff like that, that's when it's like painting it with colour. Yeah. And then the final bit is obviously recording the vocals and then the harmonies. And I love doing that bit. Yeah. So that's a fun bit. It's actually a thing though, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. And that bit doesn't feel hard right. and it doesn't feel like... Oh, what if I get this wrong? Sometimes yeah. still with the drums and the bass, I'll put something in and I'm like, maybe this is a drum beat that drummers wouldn't use or right. Right. a bass line that's too hard to play and so a bit unrealistic. But a lot of drummers and bassists have said to me, just fuck that, just put in what you, what you want. want. If it sounds good, don't worry about it. Um, but the singing bit and adding the harmonies is like, yeah, something I feel really confidently with, confident. Mm. And then I release it and then everyone says, well, not everyone, Normally people say, oh, my God, that was so catchy. It was really annoying. I had it stuck in my head for days. Yes, right. And that's what I'd like to be my, um, what I get known for, yes. is writing catchy music Yeah. Um, that sticks in your head. Yeah. And the thing is, the nice thing about com- doing the comedy, uh, doing comedy songs is that you uh, you're, can write these really um, me- melodic and complex tune, melodies, um, but you're not taking yourself too seriously. Yeah. But you could actually just replace those lyrics with some kind of really heartfelt, deep yeah. thing, and the, and those tunes would be the same. Yeah. I, I'm thinking of actually exactly. the, one of the, the songwriters I, I've always admired is Betty Boo, who's written all these really famous. But she's started off doing like novelty mm. stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. So she's actually, but actually she's probably the same. And she knew she's capable of writing these great melodies and this complex stuff, but couldn't didn't want to take it ser- too seriously at first. Yeah. And I think my favorite musicians are people that don't take 
to, too seriously. Like I think that's why the Beatles were successful. Yeah. And, and and why I like the Beatles more than the Rolling Stones. Or, or yeah. Because or like Queen. Yeah. Yeah. Queen had lots. You know, of the lyrical content of some of their songs is so silly. Exactly. I mean, it's really bicycle. Fun. Yeah. I mean, what is that? They were yeah. just literally it's, having a laugh. I think brilliant. they were. Yeah. There's a great clip online right now of actually of. Um, Freddie Mercury, and they're just doing the they're doing the, the live off the floor track, and he's making fun of them, saying he's just changing the lyrics slightly. Going, uh, what is? I wish I could remember exactly. One, one, one. One turd. That's it. One turd. Yeah. And I it's just, yeah, and it's just really... Turd is a strong word. It's really strong. It's just turd. really turd. nice to see you to turd. see that, like... <laughs> <laughs> just called you a turd. Yeah. Well, well, not well, you. It was more sort of abstract than that. It I don't just, think it was. I think you actually just pointed. <laughs> and you went, did. I just called you a turd yeah, as well. You, you did. turd. Yeah. Right. Thank, thanks for that. But, <laughs> but if we, Well, she if, nailed it. She She's did, only yeah. just met you. Well, 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 well you <laughs> two are a turd. Congratulations. Thank you. But we just kind of went into musical influences there slightly yeah. have you got any um musical influences that are really um influenced you what did you listen to in the past and what are you listening to right now mm, okay yeah so when i was growing up i listened to a lot of ella fitzgerald yeah and no. then i would listen to quite a lot of like 90s sort of um hip-hop so like tupac or Oh, right, ASAP okay. Rocky or yeah, well. Tribe Called Quest. Yeah, mm. Fuji's. Mm. Yeah, um, so it was like a lot of jazz and hip hop, which yeah. is sort of weird. And then I studied opera, didn't listen to opera. I actually don't really like listening to it. I just like singing it. Mm. Um, and now I listen to I listen to quite a mix of stuff now. Some really fun indie pop. I went to see James Taylor last night. I All love right. Steely Dan. Well, I okay. love. Dave, the rapper, Stormzy. Right. So eclectic, basically. Yeah. Like across the board. Yeah. That's very much a my, not not, not similar taste, but I mean, I like all those, the artists we're talking about, but I, I, I like being able to listen to, you know, you know, like a bit of, a bit of hip hop and then, you know, go, Ella Fitzgerald is great. But, and going back to the thing about funny lyrics is all those old school jazz musicians, all those Cole Porter songs are all humorous yeah. and classically. Yeah, and they don't li- take lyri- themselves li- seriously. And lyrically, yeah, but the whole thing is, you know, <laughs> Louis Jordan wrote wrote comedy songs, you know, the, the, you know, open the door, Richard, open the door and let me in from the point of view of a drunk guy that can't find his keys. And hip hop has it as well. Hip hop has a uh, there's a comp like especially nineties hip hop where like uh, from Run DMC on people they didn't take it quite as seriously as as gangster rap mm. or Kanye. Mm. Don't imagine Kanye writing a funny oh, song. No, no. <laughs> I mean, could he? What would Kanye's funny song be um, if he was to write one? He just wouldn't. No, he just got too much <laughs> of an ego to do something funny. Yeah, because he wants to be perceived in a certain way and i think f- being funny is quite disarming yeah can be kind of vulnerable and i don't think he wants to be perceived he, but he's like missing that. a trick because if you're going to be the messiah i think you have to have a <laughs> sense of humor did the messiah have a sense of humor i bet he did i bet he played dead all the time and went, ah! <laughs> just joking <laughs> you can't kill me oh. <laughs> yeah yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, well the yeah. disciples they do a pylon, yeah. and Jesus at the bottom. Then Makes they go, sense. they all get up like, "Oh my God, we've killed him!" And then he goes, "Ah, just kidding." <laughs> <Get back laughs> <out. Yeah. laughs> 
by no small ones. No evidence of that, but it could well be true. No, yeah, but no evidence. No, there's no. You're correct. No there's no evidence. evidence of the Lord. Yeah, <laughs> oh. playing pranks. What? The, well, there is. We're not going to go into a conversation about whether or I'm not just whether or not God is real. I'm just talking about the, the pile on Je- the pile on Jesus. The p- there's no, <laughs> and I think Amy is correct. There is no evidence that the disciples ever did a pylon. Although, if you know disciples, the I way know. I do, they, they, they had they had those big drunken dinners. Are you tickly, mm. you tickled the Christ. Tickly. 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 You would, you, you would have tickled the Christ. Silly. Of course, you would have tickled the Christ. <laughs> He's just walked on water. <laughs> you would have tickled the Christ. <laughs> We're moving on. Like Sorry, I think it's an inter- I think it's interesting that the your even in musical influences that you're that. That there's still that through line of uh, a lot of the things you mentioned there are about lyrics, are lyrically. Yeah. So it's you not didn't go. I'm into techno, although you probably do like a bit of techno when, in the right mo- time and place. It's right? probably but my least favorite genre, actually, yeah. techno, because yeah. it's quite repetitive. Mm. And with the lack of singing yeah. or lyrics, mm. I also find there's a lack of like rhythmic variation. Yeah. Maybe yeah, no. professional techno. No, it is. It is more about. Writer the, would be angry at that, but no, it's. it's it, I think to people that are into techno understand. It's a, it's a, a taste thing. Mm, feels like you have to go into a meditation to sort of enjoy it. Yeah, or be really or high be on. on yeah, exactly. I don't do drugs, so yeah. I, I recently yeah. went to see. Uh, went to Bestival, and um, yeah, uh, nice. it's the first time that we've taken our uh, six month or seven month old child to a festival. And she, headphones. yeah, yeah, all of the headphones and all of that. Oh, but we went to see uh, went to see Fatboy Slim. Oh, now, yeah. right, Fatboy Slim, he's great. Okay, yeah. and I must have seen him at festivals maybe 10, 15 times. Yeah. Um, but those other times, maybe it, maybe I wasn't as sound of mind. Um, <coughs> watching it with my with my child, yeah. um, who was sleeping, and no, and watching substances these, in your blood. Of, well, I've, I've never never touched things ever, ever <laughs> obviously. But watching these massive visuals that he's got going on with this pumping music. I was I was m- much less impressed than I thought mm. I would be. Then I went round the corner and who was playing to like three or four people but Punjabi MC. Oh my goodness, <laughs> he's incredible. So we just ended up jumping around to that instead. Yeah. But it's it is a complete taste thing and you have to be in the right like uh, right headspace to enjoy that sort of music, I think. Mm. So that's yeah. yeah. It's not for me. No, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And but you said that opera is not for you either. So how long did you study opera for? Well, four years. Four years. And okay. Before going to uni, you know, it was my it was my hobby. So I had lessons every Tuesday night with my singing teacher, and I'd do competitions. I'd like apply and do workshops at weekends, and so opera was quite singing. Opera was quite a big part of my life. Did you ever perform? Did you ever perform um, as part of a full? opera as in and the the acting side of things as well yeah 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 so before going to uni i did there's a a company based in oxford called opera anywhere who literally do operas all over the country you know we do operas on a boat we've sung operas on punts we've sung operas in a farm they would do it anywhere yeah literally anywhere it's quite cool (laughs) hence the name yes (laughs) i sung a few roles for them okay um so usually I started when I was younger as like the little parts and then obviously by the time I was 18 and about to go to uni I was singing the lead the lead soprano parts and Mm. then when I got to uni I'd be in the chorus so every year we do two operas in our opera theatre at at college Royal Northern College of Music has a 
amazing opera department, big stage, you know, full front of house, back of house team. So it feels like you're in a professional production. Mm -hmm. They try and make it as professional as possible. Well, they sell tickets, so it has to be to the public. It has to be professional. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I was leaving in fourth year, I did an opera where I was one of the lead parts. Um, that was actually a really dark opera. It was called Anya 17. It was by Adam Gorb. And so it was a modern opera, contemporary, amazing music though. And uh, it was about sex trafficking. So it was about some people who had been trafficked to England. And my character was blind and had lost her son. And so it was a very different type of performance. You know, it was so guttural. And I almost made myself cry singing the aria I had to sing. And you could see the audience sort of sobbing, which was good, but um, strange. So I really loved when opera combined the acting, whether that was fun operas like Scene Mm. in Carmen, where I was in the chorus, or... Um, being a naughty child in the Labo M kids chorus or or this opera where I was um, being trafficked. Uh, that's a really fun part of opera when the drama meets yeah. the singing. Yeah. And suddenly it's not even about the singing and all the four years of training of, you know, trying to control, like you were talking about how complex studying acting can be for four years. It was the same with singing, you know, mm. when you're singing a certain vowel, is your jaw going... It, does it need to move by one millimeter? Does mm. your tongue need to move by two millimeters? Is your are you not lifting your soft palate enough? There's so much conceptual stuff that happens inside yep. that you don't yep. even know as well. It's like think higher. What are you actually changing? You're not sure, but yeah. so all yeah. that training goes to the side, and it's like now you're on stage. You have to act. You have yeah. to be mm. the character and hope that your muscle memory kicks in and you know how to sing well. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So I did really enjoy that part of it. Um, but there was a lot of work. So after you leave uni, there was a lot of work to continue doing opera full time, a lot of auditions, a lot of trying to get an agent. And from what I could see, the next six years for me, at least, were going to be being in the chorus. And I didn't want to be in the chorus. I wanted to be the lead part. Yeah. And also opera was getting increasingly as I grew up and grew older and was getting more involved in politics in a loose sense, politics is in realizing that you know feminism is still important or realizing that as a white person i've had a very different experience to some of my colleagues at uni who were people of color that kind of politics as well as politics and uh, and opera seemed to be very bare on sort of liberalism and diversity Mm. and realizing that in its very essence the classical music world is so elitist and it's not really developing it's not coming forward with the times you know Mm. every now and then there'll be a new opera at the royal opera house but it's still when they look at the ticket sales it's still not they're not really modernizing fast enough no and so i was like i don't know if this is an industry i really want to be in maybe i'll switch to pop yeah and that's sort of what i did yeah after a few years because opera just if I couldn't be the lead part, I didn't want to do it. Well, that's, that's yeah. a, there's a lot of comedians out that come from the acting world uh, who I think that's the that wouldn't feel the same. Mm. You suddenly you are that it's a, it's you're the lead character in the thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, I started yeah. off doing one bef- before I started do, doing the the comedy stuff. I, I was in like an, an actor's apprentice in in the Canadian version of Regent's Park, and I had like two tiny roles in it. But I'd come from the university where. In the, my fourth year, I was the lead role, and yeah. it suddenly felt like oh, I've got to go. It's like going it. back to high school, and you're suddenly not the big yeah. kid anymore. And I think being on stage and being being the the, the main guy is 
is part of what is part of the fun of it. Yeah. Um, it's also very like you are you are alone up there. So you've, you've got to, you've, you know, there's no one else to rely on. So that's I think that's part of the fun of it. That's why it's why I like to be a musical director, because I get to sit just away from everything <laughs> and still take loads of accolades. Yeah. Um, because every, oh, the music was absolutely wonderful. Mm, oh, well sure. done. Absolutely. But, um, you know, I, I've. I've been in plays and things and i did an a level and uh, in drama but i just i, I don't like learning lines mm. so I, ne- I never really did not and for you then <clears throat> sorry i just burped you might want to that's okay <laughs> yeah want to just get some wipes it out it was quite quiet yeah. Yeah. i didn't i didn't i didn't hear it okay. but it was like a it was more of like no. you swallowed it yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, well done yeah. i just had an idea and i want to just say it into the mic before i forget but how about ukulele yeah. the opera you know, like an opera about ukuleles, mm. just all operas, no opera, opera singers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, there must be someone that invented yeah. ukulele. We could write an opera about them. Anyway, you, it's my idea. I, You're not having it. Okay, I, I tell cool. you what, though. I did, <laughs> all right, Amy. I could be in it, though. <laughs> you could be. That's a ukulele opera. The, yeah. the woman that invents the ukulele. <laughs> I, I, I recently went on tour in um, to Germany, and while we were in Germany, we went to the city where um harmonicas were made oh right right Aww. and the purse and uh, so we went to this uh, tour around the harmonica museum and saw harmonicas that stevie wonder had used that bob dylan had used it was actually it was amazing wow. and they had accordions they had uh, for me i was like wow this is just the best place ever yeah um <laughs> but at the end of this tour um a gentleman gave us his um uh cd and there was uh, an opera made about harmonicas so they have made a operas. whole opera, or you mean well, a song? If I'm completely honest, I haven't listened to the whole thing. Okay, uh, but no, it's a whole An opera. opera about. It's a full. It was a full, full opera about about the town where the harmonicas oh. were made, with obviously the harmonicas being the main industry Feature. there. So um, yeah. yeah, so that's 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 the Horner. So musical. what you're saying, you're um, just giving me f- 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 fuel for thought. I am. Gonna, this I'm, could work. In fact, I can't stop thinking about it now, guys. It's ukulele. Just a ukulele. The opera. An opera. Yeah. But you get the ukuleles. It's not going to happen. But it's not, no. But no. Yeah. Um, So what was the, you, you mentioned your first comedy song was uh, this bit that you wrote, Out of Necessity. Two minutes. Uh, yeah, and then and then you thought I need to f- I need to write I can't I'm going to try and write an hour, an hour, and it can't all be ukulele. Mm. What was the the turning point when you put the ukulele away? Do you play the ukulele at all in in your new show? No. No. In the, in your hour show, do you play? No. no. Um, <laughs> would you like to be in an opera about no. ukuleles? So <laughs> <laughs> <Suck> case. <laughs> <laughs> I feel what we only place we can go now is let's well, we need to go back. So, because I'm 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 kind of mesmerized to be. I'll be perfectly honest with you because you said you wrote you've studied pop writing pop music, which must be great for your comedy songwriting. Yeah, but you're a trained opera singer. Yeah, um, and that and that's obviously so your understanding of that. I mean, the, to me, I can't get my. I'm not a huge fan of opera. Uh, obviously, I've seen a few. Um, and they when they're performed by the top level professionals, like like anything, like uh, ballet, anything, it's spellbinding. But when it's performed by people that are sort of learning the craft or working on the craft, it can you can just go, oh God, please stop singing. And then every once in a while, you'll see someone like we were in uh, Hungary in Budapest recently. There was an opera singer in a park 
and she was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. And we were just like, wow, like. <laughs> I'm just rambling. I'm gonna so go back. I was really, I, I was really happy earlier, guys. I'm just, <laughs> I remember, I just I'd like to go I, back to. So, so you've got, you've gone from opera to pop. Yeah. Okay, but you're you. So you write the comedy stuff, but you also still write pop songs as well. I've heard quite a few of your non-comedy stuff as well, mm. and it's it's amazing. You've got such oh, a wonderful thanks. tone to your voice, Thank and you. the songwriting is. Um, I, I also I heard an interview that you did where somebody had described one of the songs that you've done as sounding a bit like uh, sounding a bit like a song by Adele. Yes. Of which you were, I think you at first were. I'm going to take a bit of offence to that, mm. and then but then you realised. Wait a minute. That's a compliment. That one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but they said it like it was a bad thing. They were like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit generic. It sort of sounds like Adele, and I was like, oh right, yeah, that's generic. That must be bad because mm. music always needs to be new and different. And then I was like, hang on a minute, yeah. it's already new and different because it's my voice. Yeah. Anyway, but pop, it's in the it, but pop is means popular. It's pop, like the king of pop, the the king, uh, you know the. Michael Jackson, all these things that are where everyone in the world knows the song, knows the track, is what you're aiming for when you're writing yeah. a pop song. And I know as a songwriter, it's when I was younger, I was into punk rock music and stuff, and I used to hate pop music. I, said, I hate pop music. It's just terrible. Like it's just, it's just crap because it's really mainstream. It's mainstream, and it's got the production sounds. You're like, and it's just obvious, and it's just easy. And yeah. then, but, and then try and write one, and then you just mm. realize it's not that easy. Do you do those gigs as well? So as as well as your as well as your comedy, um, so have you got an hour show at the moment? Yes. Yes. So you've got an hour show at the moment, but do you also do your straight stuff as well? My straight side? music. So yeah. my straight music, I've got forty five minutes set. But the last gig I did was last summer, so it was over a year ago, and I just haven't been pushing it. When I moved to London, I was sort of like, okay, I'm going to try and do comedy. I'm going to get a new band for my original music and try and push that. And I'm going to push being a function singer, which I also do as part of my job. Um, so obviously function singing is, well, you know, you know, that is singing yeah. at events and bars and weddings. Yeah. But then when I got to London, I was like, oh, there is so many gigs and so much networking I have to do in the comedy world. And I it was kind of like a bit exhausting trying to split my time between being serious singer, function singer, who's always trying to improve and comedian. And so a few friends and my boyfriend was like, why don't you just focus on one for like a year or even two years and stop spreading yourself so thin? And it was good advice. So so I've really ditched the original music, which is a shame. I still write songs sometimes, but I've not been releasing them. I've not been like record rehearsing them with a band or recording them or performing. Um, and maybe they'll come back. I'd love to release one of my dreams for life is to release an album, not a comedy album, a straight music album, yeah, yeah. and obviously do my hour at Edinburgh Fringe. Those are like two sort of dreams I have that maybe I'll be able to do in the next 10 years or something. Yeah. So I still like writing, but it's difficult, you know, when like this afternoon, I've got this afternoon off. So I thought, OK, I'll try and write something. And it's like, am I going to write a serious song or a comedy song? And when I look at my Instagram and what I'm trying to push and really what I want to get more jobs from in the next few years it, it is comedy so i think sometimes i'm a bit like oh well i won't do that four-part james taylor cover i was thinking of right i'll just try and write another comedy song put up a reel try and get some more followers try and get some more respect mm. in the comedy world 
in the hope of getting more gigs. Yeah, it is a different world now, though, isn't it? So you just mentioned about social media. How important is your social media presence when uh, when you're trying to find your way as a comedian and as a as a newer comedian? Yeah, I think it's important. I mean, the first thing is if you have lots of followers, it helps you get gigs. Yeah, it sure mm. does. That's a really. I mean, I'm not big enough yet, but I think if you get to 20,000, 10,000 followers, bookers will be like, oh, okay, she's got some kind of mass appeal. Yes. Um, obviously, in reality, sometimes people have loads of followers online, but live, their stuff's kind of different. And really, sure. they're good at doing character sketch in their room for 60 seconds, not 20 minutes of stand-up. They yeah. are, you know, different skills. Yeah. But how it how it's viewed is, yeah, you've got more accolades if you've got more followers. So it's that. And it's also like putting the feelers out because they're... You can connect with people who you might never meet, but then they might come to a show because they've seen your reels. Mm -hmm. And I have seen that happen with people. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually happened to me in last year. There was someone at my show and I said, how did you hear about it? You know, when when I do my one woman show, I've done six performances of it ever last summer, three and this summer, three. And when I see a face I don't know, I'm really intrigued. I'm like, well, how how did you know about this? And you've decided to spend seven pounds based on a face of my face on a poster and take a risk that it's going to be funny and entertaining. Because I wouldn't. I I don't, you know, I don't think my sister, again, as a non-performer, would see a poster and go and see someone. But then, of course, what has happened is they've seen me online, then seen my poster. Yeah. And that's why they come. And it's happened a few times. I know some comedy colleagues who it's happened to quite a lot who have got really big on tiktok and Mm. then people you know make the effort to travel halfway across london to see them live Mm. so i think it's important and it it also makes you churn out content which can only be a good thing yeah yeah you know it keeps me writing you have to keep writing yeah uh the yeah the videos are a bit frustrating because my videos are quite basic and i see people with this whole whole team of um videographers and editors and sort of say oh what did you pay for no they're just my mates they your ma-. and i was like oh you've got <laughs> mates who make videos for you on and a they're, sunday and they're doing the same thing they're making those videos because they're trying to get their exactly. own content and and the experience and they they realize you just have to churn stuff out and it's yeah. good for them to do although i will say that with the uh in the tiktok world the the clips that work the best are the ones that look like they've just whipped them together. Even yeah. though we know there's a bit more artistry behind it. Yeah, you're right. Uh, when On you TikTok, get good at it. they but like just, self-made, homemade yeah, stuff. Yeah, they don't like they? a lot of high edit, yeah, like, yeah. like MTV level video. They just don't watch them. Yeah, and they're too long. Yeah. Whereas if it's you singing the verse and a chorus of a song by yourself, like with a beautiful backdrop, yeah. you know, on a lake or something, that's more likely to get hits. Yeah. You know, and I think that's also changing uh, what people what people expect from from videos and from uh, even from production sometimes just one, one person with a guitar uh, that you get i've noticed a lot of reels recently that say a voice message have you seen that um, on, on apple music i've been following a lot of no- younger musicians and they've on all the albums they've just got a track it'll just yes. be voice voice message and they'll just re- it's just what they've recorded in their phone yeah. and and it's and it's a really low fi- it's more lo-fi than anything else you can do but because the mics are so good in phones now you can't if you if you get the balance right you can sound just as good on yeah. on the phone so that that make it also makes things more immediate and i don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing as an old guy uh, i like I liked albums and I liked concepts and that seems to have disappeared, but it's no immediate. We want, you, you, you do one 
uh, you have to have another one ready to go. Mm. Like so, you can't. So people don't put on an album, but they'll record six songs. But then they'll set. Go, they're going to put them out every few months, and they'll. It's a. Uh, I think it's they call it waterfalling. Yeah. It's a what? Have you seen that? So we called a waterfalling where they they release their thing on Spotify, and then uh, two weeks later you release the next one. Yeah. But you you put that one above it, and you call it. This, it's the same track, so that you end up having this waterfall. And I I just find all that stuff really interesting, and it's hard to get my head around. I don't know how old you are, but you're much younger than me. Um, it's hard. It's, I'm finding it hard to adapt into that world as a comedian. Does you know? does it does it? Do you think it might <clears throat> stop people going to gigs? Like earlier on, we were talking about <clears throat> um, that, like the audience that would go to to opera or something. That's the type of audience that's probably going to go online look what look what opera is on and they'll go oh yes i i'm definitely going to go and see carmen it's going to be absolutely splendid lovely and they will buy a ticket and they will go and sit down and see that show if somebody sees your reels online and you're trying to sell you're trying to sell out the pleasance um Mm. on a thursday night and or your only thing that you're sending out is on instagram and on these reels is that gonna transform into selling tickets i guess it it, it does it does the percentage but is quite small yeah. i think the, the biggest way the biggest way right now that i sell tickets is obviously first and foremost is people i know yeah. and then them telling people they know yeah the second is people who've seen me at other gigs coming to another gig so people seeing me do a five or a seven or a ten and then following me and then realizing oh at this night i'm doing a 20 and then they'll come Mm. And I think then the third is, yeah, people off, off, you know, online. But say I have a thousand followers at the moment. I think it's happened to me maybe three times that someone's come to a gig because they followed me first. Okay. So that's three out of a thousand. Yeah, they say there's something like it. I mean, these are... Not lots. There's like a 10%, 10%, like that's that's a a fairly basic 10% return... Yeah, but who are actually it, engaging who actually and like engage, watching your you stuff. Come, yeah. You need that that level of recognition. Yeah. Um so what are, what is what's next for you then? What are what are you you've done an Edinburgh show you do an Edinburgh show this year? No, no. So this year I went up and did some open spots. Did you? Okay. So I did like I think I did about eight gigs across five days. Okay. Which was good for me. Um next year I really want to go for the full month. Yeah. Although it seems quite exhausting. It is. Terrifyingly exhausting. Expensive and exhausting, yeah. I mean, the... Yeah, expensive. I'm less worried about that. I mean, for me, if I go to bed past midnight, two or three days in a row, the first thing it will affect is my voice. Is your voice. And if you add drink to that, if you add talking in noisy environments... um, So you'll have to to be really... yeah, you'll, really you'll, you'll have to be really strict with yourself. I'll have to be really strict, and at <clears> the expense <throat> of potentially networking. Networking. That's the that's the really hard thing, and I found that this year I was there for five days. You know, people came out at midnight, and I was like, oh, I should really go to bed. But then so and so's over there. I haven't really sort of wanted to chat to them. I wanted to make friends with them. It's not exactly that. Ne- some of it was networking, but some of it was just trying to make friends with people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, there's there's. I actually got some quite good advice when I was there from a guy who was a relatively high up TV producer, a very high up TV producer actually, but he didn't really know who I was. He just was introduced to me. Yep. And then he said, can I give you some advice? And I was like, okay, I didn't ask for it, but <laughs> I won it. Okay. So yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah. And he said, um, you need to find your year group. 
So he said, find the people who are at the same level as you now, as in uh, they're doing the same kind of gigs. Because I think what he saw when I was there is I was hanging out with people who were getting like nominations and people who've been there for four years doing their one hour show and people who ultimately can't give me much. It's kind of like if I was hanging out with Adele, maybe Mm -hmm. not because I guess she could give me a leg up, but it's he did have quite a good point um about finding people at a similar level to you so that next year if i do go to Edinburgh and it's my first year i've got a cohort of friends around me who it's also their first yeah, year having the same experience and having the same experience mm. and so with that in mind he was like even if you've got a one hour it still might be good to do a split half hour do a free fringe do it with a buddy then, you know, the year after, try do 45 minutes free fringe. Year after, maybe 45 minutes paid fringe. Year after, maybe that's your debut year and you do your yeah. hour. And it's um, So I don't know. That is an aim for me. But it's a bit frustrating because I've already got an hour show and I'm quite happy with it now. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it could improve if you spoke to a director or something. But I really love performing it and I'm not really ready to, like, put it in the bin. But... Uh, I, I think I think you should follow your heart on that one, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because if you do your you do your hour thinking, I'm only doing this hour to try and win the, the newcomer a nomination. Um, it's not a shit reason to be doing an hour yeah. of comedy. You should be doing an hour of comedy because it's the the hour that yeah, you've written yeah. that you want to do, and then it won't it won't matter because someone you don't notice you won't you won't know who's noticing you, and you won't you don't always know who's recognizing you. So even even that this our, our podcast is a tiny little thing. It's you've come through us because someone noticed you and thought this is an interesting person that's good and so all those things will happen for you and i think that um you should follow your heart on that one mm. and not get beaten into a, a particular method a particular method it's or just route. the thought of flyering on my own and performing it to one person or none yeah it's quite sad sure. and the thought of having someone with me who i get on with who sure. i also find funny sure and then having one person is sort of like that would just be like welcome to edinburgh yeah this is shit but funny whereas doing it on your own and i've always been a bit of an alone person because i've always done things slightly different you know like when i did opera i a lot of people were either going to quit opera as soon as we finished our degree or were going to fully follow it and i was just this sort of like oh i don't i think i want to do pop and then when i started pop i was always the pop singer who used to do opera and so now as a comedian i'm i still feel like an outsider because really when people ask what i do my first answer is i'm a musician yes and a songwriter but uh, you know so I feel like if I go to Edinburgh on my own, that's so me. I'm just going to be like, I'm a Lone Ranger. I'm doing it my way. And one day all this self-belief will fucking pay off and I will be noticed. But that that imposter... But I'm still a bit scared of going on my own. But 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 you have to do the show where there is one person there. You have to do the show yes. where where there isn't. I we, we we took a show to the states. We did quite well in Florida. We took it up to New York. The producer hadn't done the work. I walked out on stage on the first night. There was not a single person, not a single wow. person there. So we had to fly our producer over from here to fill the venue for the next couple. Like it was horrendous. I I, I was so angry. Yeah. But if I hadn't had that moment, and if I hadn't died on stage a couple of times, mm. then then how do you know what it feels like to have the thing that you never, ever want to happen again happen? 
Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. So you are, but you, you had support then. So your answer was, shit, what do we do? Let's get the producer. See, if I if that happens to me and there's no one in the audience, zero, sort of nothing I can do. You can you know, you, do do? you go to the loft bar or you end up in the one of the, the performer's bars yeah. talking to this another person. Went, I had two. Yeah. You, you know, this that, that's going to happen. This thing's going to happen. And even when you do loads of them, I have Edinburgh, so I've done, I've won awards and I've done, had sellout shows and I've had great five-star shows and I've also um, still, the odd time, you just get a show where you just go, what, there's no one's interested. Why am I doing this? And I think that imposter syndrome never goes away. And I think mm. if you're healthy, that that never goes away. I think you should always feel a yeah. bit like that. I bet, I bet even Elton John at moments just goes, how did I get away yeah, with all that? Yeah, yeah. How did I get away with it all? Because I was just this kid from that thing, yeah. you know. And uh, and I th- so I think that's a healthy attitude to have. As far as being alone in Edinburgh, it's I find I don't. And this I'm rambling again, but when the bigger the, the bigger the crowds, if you're a festival, Glastonbury, or whatever, I, that's when I feel my lo- my lo- most lonely, and I feel my most together when I'm alone. So mm. it might not be a bad thing for you to do to to put yourself through. It's like training. As long as you've yes. done the tra- as long as you've done the training yeah. and the work and the writing leading up to it. And, and, the, and the rehearsals or maybe work with have, have a, someone a friend that directs or or at least gives you feedback or even if it's your sister anyone yeah that then then you know then you know you've done all that training for it like you wouldn't just go and run a marathon you do the training for it yeah, yeah. so so similarly if you start if you're thinking of next year you're starting now mm. thinking about what you need to do to get yourself in shape for that and that means also being prepared for the shit review from Steve Bennett the ones it, it'll be one person to Steve Bennett and you'll be like oh well fucking great right <laughs> When you'll go, no, ukulele. Yeah. This is ukulele, the opera. I'll, I'll be next door right doing now. ukulele opera. Yeah, yeah. Ten Sell years. out. Yes. Sell yeah, out. you're not in it. You're not in it. Anyway, um, yeah, I think you should follow your heart on that one. It's exciting. It's great. I, I remember going to my first Edinburgh and just buzzing my face off, going, this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And then going up and going, ah, this is this is absolutely terrifying. Exhausting. Mm. But then uh, then a few years later, you're going up and you've got and you've got a five-star show. Yeah. And then you're getting asked to go around the world and do these things elsewhere. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's phenomenal. So I'm, I'm just really excited for you to be and honest. I th- and, I th- and I think just from this little chat, then you know, without knowing the, the depth of your work, that you've you've got the chops anyway so so it's all just part of a process if you Thanks. if you're doing that yeah. yeah well i think i'm quite realistic yeah i'm obviously good at songwriting to an extent because that's yeah. what i've trained in yeah i do think i'm funny yeah it's a good it's i a good do style. think well, I you are. Yeah. Funny. well then you are <laughs> whether i'm funny on stage is different you know there's that i do think i'm funny we're having a conversation <laughs> with a comedian recently about the about um, young british artists that can the contemporary conceptual artists who like put a you know um put a, a piece of blue tack on the wall and call it art mm. and, I, and i'm i defend and go well it is then because there are there are artists you know that's that's Mike Wilmot. Uh, that's Mike Wilmot put a Pringles can on the on the on the wall and called it art. Uh, but he went yeah, to art school, perfect. and I I went. Well, then it is Mike, and he disagreed with me. But I think comedy is similar. If you think you're funny, you're funny. And there's so many comedians that will tell you that they go nowhere for a long time. And I think of like the anti-comedy, uh, like Mark Silcox or or Ed Axel, people that uh, just work away slowly, work away at their thing when when everyone's telling them that they're not funny, and then mm. suddenly there you realize, oh no, they're actually the funniest people in the world mm. because they believe they are, and that's yeah, it. Yeah. So the comedy it is takes that, patience, that. doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I'm not very good at. I think because I already. Because I've studied so much or maybe because of my age. I don't know. I just, 
I always feel like I should be further along in my career than I am. But everybody feels yeah. that way all You're the time. In a career, in I ha- talk to a lot of friends about that. Yeah, we you, all feel the, it. Imposter syndrome is the most horrendous thing ever, but it eats you as well every single night when if, if i'm on stage i go out and i'm like what am i doing also right now i'm playing i'm playing in a, i'm playing in the amy winehouse band so it's her original band with a different singer and me on keys i didn't play in that original band right but for some reason i i know i'm good enough to play there but my god i'm walking out and i'm like this is a really cool thing but well, I, don't, I don't deserve to be I here i wasn't there in the original like, that that's don't it, fuck it up don't that's it yeah. it's don't fuck it up every single time rather but now now i've done it so you know we've toured with it lots i can now go oh, god this is fun and yeah. i and i deserve to be there yeah but i mean but i still like if we have a big break and we go and do a gig i know i'm gonna walk out and i'm gonna be like I'm, i don't deserve to be here this is ridiculous so yeah it's it's tough and that imposter syndrome will never go away well yeah, yeah. wherever however far you get yeah streisand is the most famous version of it so she couldn't even perform anymore because she couldn't get on stage because she didn't believe in herself. Barbara Streisand yeah. doesn't believe in her own voice. Are you fucking I mean, kidding yeah, me? Yeah. And so she only way she could overcome it is to build a stage at her ranch and put on performances for people that she knew. <laughs> and you go, yeah. that well, if she doesn't believe in herself, what the fuck hope yeah. do I have? You know, but you just have to, and you, you know, and you should. And also, there's something satisfying when you do finish when you're recording something and you just finish that track yeah and, and you go you go right i think that's done now something really satisfying about this. and it's it's that's i think that's what i live for mm. that, those moments and you and the, i was thinking about your recording your your serious songs which is something i i did recently i've done comedy songs my whole life written hundreds and hundreds of comedy songs have albums with the juice pigs done those and i finally recorded it, it was so satisfying it was different it's not great and i could have i didn't have enough money to make it really great you know but i had friends brought in and it was really satisfying and yeah, it's something it's i'm process. really proud something i'm really proud of yeah. and i've not even tried to pitch it or sell it to anyone i'm just kind of sits there yeah in a thing as a thing i did which just makes me songs that i'd written like 10 years ago and suddenly i hear them with the full backing yeah. track yeah so you should do that as well yeah <laughs> Here, I'm, I'm such a good director yeah I do will. that <laughs> yeah, you're really good yeah. do that yeah i will do an album amy can we hear you play Yes, that would be amazing. Yeah, we we on our part as part of the podcast, we got our guests to sing a little song or, or do a number or something. So, would cool. you like to do that? Yeah, this is my pretentious uh, hipster song. Okay, perfect. Um, and I've never done a performance on a sofa before, so this will be something new for me as well. Possibly not the best posture, sort of <laughs> playing a piano like a sort of drunken two a.m. with a glass of wine. <laughs> Not that I do that, because it's very bad for my voice, as I've said. Okay, so um, this the uh, the little the setup that I do when I'm performing this live is I say um, during lockdown I started doing music producing. You know, I produce my own music. It's not as hard as it looks. All you need is loads of expensive equipment and loads of talent. Um, So I've sent I made a few demos and I've sent them off to people like Avicii. Um, Dizzy Rascal, David Bowie, none of them have replied. Um, But it's not going to stop me. So today I thought I'd share with you my process. Everyone's got a different process, but this is my process. So step one, I always like to get in the zone by putting on a beanie, which I'm going to do now. Oh, nice beanie. (laughs) Very nice beanie. Thank you. Have you got an acting degree? I do, yeah. (laughs) For 
people listening at home, I did not put on a beanie. I <laughs> pretended. I didn't bring it. And quite frankly, it ruins my curls. So fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Step one, insert beanie. Step two, insert fat base into the laptop. PH80. Step two, add a sick beat. Oh, okay. Step three, add pretentious vocals. lyrics i tasted the moon and i waited pink is now the color of my sea i reached for the sun and i waited for planet earth to stop dividing me step six had a rap i've been making music on my laptop in my bedroom with indian fabric as a backdrop taught myself tech because this girl can and i like to show it off on instagram i choose to wear a hat even when it's hot trousers so short you can see my sock i recycle i reuse and i'm very ethical but i fly abroad once a year for a music festival my clothes are vintage with a big logo i carry a skateboard i can't ride it though i sit in a cafe and i draw a sketch wondering what houseplant i'll buy next Step seven, twist knobs. Possibly not funny if you're listening at home. <laughs> That's, I love your knob twirling. So this is how I do it for you guys watching. For the three people watching, I make it really polite. Knobs being twisted. Yeah. yeah. Arms being thrown in the air. Yeah. 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 Oh, twist, more twisting. Oh, yeah, oh, mouth closed. Mouth closed. Oh, face. Mm. Scrunch face. Scrunch face. Scrunch face. Loving That's my it. own music face. Yeah. Like it's just taking so much of your energy. Oh. Oh, keyboard nearly fell on the floor. Okay, oh. final step. Nod your head to your own song. And as the song ends, don't smile. Yes, it's <laughs> a hit. I do always say that as well. Says the it's the man it, who couldn't hear it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Actor. Really, the acting <laughs> skills are really coming across now. I love I, it. I, I, haven't, I didn't hear any of that. He didn't have his headphones But I did convince on, you. Because I've got them, I think. <laughs> you do? You, you do? But, uh, uh, I had the headphones in and I enjoyed it. That was absolutely fantastic. Thank Amy you Weber. so much, Thank Amy. You. Amy Thank Weber, you. thanks Thank for joining you. us. Um Thank on you for th- uh, songs of the key of laugh, we say goodbye to you. There's a sting out, and then we, we say goodbye. Say, and then, oh. Well, we say okay, goodbye. Yeah, goodbye. Okay. That, that was Amy was Weber. That, it? Oh, okay. yeah, that, no. Bye. <laughs> that was Amy Weber. No, Bye, no guys. acting. That, that, that was this. I'm showing you what we would have done. Okay. Oh, no, but, but that this was Amy isn't Weber. Goodbye. That was goodbye? it. It's Amy that Weber. Okay. Bye. 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 Goodbye, adios, farewell. You'll be glad to hear that we think that your interview went well. But we have other things to get on with now, so you're going to have to go. I'm sure our paths will cross again, but whoever really knows. It's been fun, it's been musical, it's been comical at times. But now we have to leave you, so goodbye. Goodbye. 
That was Amy Weber, and mark my words, David, she's going to be a huge star. Amazing. That was Amy Weber, and that was the end of episode two. And what an episode. UFOs, 1950s comedy songs. OAPs. OAPs flying through the air. And our nativity. Who knows where that's going? Absolutely. (laughs) We'll come back. Jesus did. If you'd like to see more or hear more of Amy Weber, why not visit Amy on her website, amyweber.co.uk, or at her Instagram, at amyweberchameleon. If you'd like to support our podcast, please do. Yes. And go to patreon.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. Or coffee.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. Please keep on sending in your comedy songs for our comedy song competition at songs in the key of laugh at gmail.com. We'll see you next week. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.